This programme is brought to you by Training Tilt. Training Tilt is a complete toolkit for coaches, health and fitness professionals and nutritionists. Combine your website, e-commerce needs, client communications and training plans into a single affordable platform. For more information, please go to www.lisatamati.co.nz forward slash training tilt. Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the podcast that gets deep into the psyche of extraordinary achievers across all genres, cutting to the chase to unlock the secrets of their success, their achievement, philosophies, and motivations. Join us in the quest to find out what makes the movers and shakers of our world tick and what gems of wisdom we can learn from them. Well, hi everybody, it's Lisa Tamady here on Pushing the Limits and you would not believe who I've got on the show today. Anyone who's a mad keen runner out, out there will know this man. We've got Barefoot Ted all the way from, where are you now? Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara, California, yeah. Santa Been Barbara, here a week. <laughs> and he's even given up his dinner to come and speak with me on my show. So welcome to the show, Barefoot Ted. It's an absolute honour to have you on board here. Um but- you are coming to New Zealand shortly. That's right. Runfest is coming up, and I'm super excited to be part of that. Um, it's a, an honor. I've been. It'll be the second time I've been to New Zealand. So, and being this barefoot Ted character that people learned about in the book Born to Run has been, you know, uh, the, my boon and my bane. I mean, it's sometimes great and it's sometimes not. But in the end, I'm a true to life kind of character. I think the book captured my personality well. And I really enjoy um, being able to move well. And running is one of the fundamental human skills that we can develop. And uh, certainly uh, our own two feet have been the vehicle of our, you know, a major part of our success as a species and also just the joy of living. Being able to roam around anywhere on your own two feet has kind of been the limits I've been trying to push and play with. Most absolutely you have. And, you know, we, we mentioned there, you know, Born to Run and our, our mutual friend Christopher McDougall, who was on Pushing the Limits just a few weeks back, a fabulous man. I had the privilege of actually being on a panel with him. Uh, we gave a talk down in, in Wellington as well uh, a couple of years back. And, uh, yeah, fantastic man. Absolutely loved his book. And actually in the aftermath of his book, uh, Ted, I um, started a – I tried to get a TV series going called uh, Run the Planet, which was all about exploring this whole born to run, are we born to run concept because I've always been the um, like you, the proponent that you know we're made to move and we're made to do these longer distances um, and I've never gotten through to the barefoot stuff though so hey <laughs> but, you It's not know, for everybody it, Yeah, no, well, my, my thinking was if it's not broken, don't fix it, you know Sure, yeah, I totally agree with that that, that attitude for sure Yeah so what is Barefoot Ted up to these days? You've just moved to Santa Barbara. Yeah, that's right. Santa Barbara is in Southern California. It's it's my roots. It's back to uh, kind of the roots of surf and California surf culture. I, I'm 53, so in the 70s I was roaming around the beaches quite a bit and part of the whole skateboard and surf culture at the time. And my favorite brand, for example, of clothing was called Hang 10. It was a oh. surf clothing, and it had two golden... Uh, feet, you know, embroidered. That I had to have that. So coming back to my roots after having spent ten years in Seattle is really allowing me to reestablish myself in my in, in my best 
kind of environment that I love. So that, oh. I, I'm just loving it here. It's awesome. Are you managing to hit the waves again? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, you know, it's been my first week here, but I, my goal is, I, my joke is I'm going to live here 50 more years or die trying. <laughs> and uh, I actually, what's so funny, my mom came up this weekend and she brought a postcard that was from my grandmother in 1978 that has exactly a photo of where I am now, literally West Beach, and something on there saying, hey, you know, I want you to come and spend some time with Grandpa and Grandma. They lived in Santa Barbara. So oh, it was kind of cool getting that postcard 39, 40 years later. Uh, pretty trippy. Oh, absolutely hilarious. Um, so, yeah, you did grow up in the 70s and you were a surfy kid and hang 10. I, was a, I loved hang 10. Even in New Zealand, we know what hang 10 was. And wow. they, they had the two little feet, eh? So, That's right. Yeah, did that sort of sink into your psyche somewhere and become this uh, barefoot running cra crazy person? <laughs> well, keep in mind, in 1970s California, surfers and skateboarders didn't wear shoes. We, you know, it was like, why would you wear shoes? It wasn't until the urethane wheel started coming out. That's the before the urethane wheel. Skateboard wheels sucked. They were very slow. They didn't r roll smoothly. So you kind of really had to work it. And you're, most people were barefooted. So it wasn't unusual. And then even when I was a kid, the the, the whole craze of getting uh, you know the modern shoes wasn't there. So we had functional feet. That's what it really comes down to. Yeah. When I re-examine my past, it's like I didn't grow up wearing shoes, therefore I was already doing all these things. It wasn't a huge leap of faith for me to realize that I could do some things barefoot. And then over the course of time, realizing, oh man, different people have developed themselves in different ways, have different needs, different goals, whatever. For me, I just, the simplicity of it all and the fact that it was part of my foundational culture, you could say, didn't make it so far away. What happened is, for me, it actually, and I think many others have had experiences going forward, for some people like me, it was really helping me when I wanted to start running again, realize how important form can be if you want, if you want to be, um, particularly if you're bigger, you know, yeah. heavier bone person, really you've got to run almost like a dancer. You've got to be so tuned into what you're doing because if you're not, you'll get hurt much more easily than somebody who maybe their bones or their, their build is different or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and and what I do love about the barefoot running, and I do do some barefoot running, obviously, in beaches and things, not, not nothing as crazy like you guys do. But um, I, I, I grew up too barefoot. And, you know, mum used to go mad because I would always leave one shoe somewhere at school and she gave up trying after a while. And my dad grew up, he never had a pair of shoes because they were very poor when my grad dad grew up and he never had a pair of shoes until he went to high school at about 13, 14. And so he's got the hugest feet. They're the, they're, they're, you'd love these feet, actually. You yeah, know, yeah. They're, they're real Māori feet, you know. He's, he's of Māori descent. And they've got a good grip on the earth. And he will oh, never... Yeah. It would never break those, you know. <laughs> totally, totally. Self-healing materials. You know, we're your dad's already, if you really master the barefoot thing, think about it. What kind of, how do you make your shoes? You eat food and you grow them, you know. <laughs> They're self-repairing. They get stronger and better with use. I mean, there is some deep kind of confidence and satisfaction that comes in mastering the, the body that you've been given, you know, and realizing that it 
on its own can do amazing things. Now, it's better for people to have choices. I mean, I want people to, you know, be able to afford the things they need. It's, it, but ultimately, if you have a healthy foot and you have an environment where you can use it, wow, it's pretty, it's pretty inspiring. It builds a lot of confidence to realize you can do things in your own feet. Absolutely. And you, you are the founder of the brand Luna Sandals, which everybody will know about. Um, so that came about out of your what, – when did, when did you start that company and how did that sort of come about? Was that before the Born to Run whole thing and, you know, you were already into it back then? Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, I, back when I was saying I came back to my surfing roots here in Santa Barbara now, in a sense, surf skates culture – I like to say Luna Sandals, we're like surfers making surfboards. In other words, we're so embroiled in the process. We can't outsource what we do. We've been sort of over the course of the last 10 years, been, I've been playing with sandals and sort of taking this very basic design that the Tarumara of northern Mexico wore and many other indigenous peoples, a very simple sandal. And then just what would a modern sandal maker you know, what a, as a sandal maker, which sandal makers are as old as time, let's face it, they've been making sandals since maybe it's one of our earliest inventions after all. Yep. So what we have today are things like Vibram soles and we have, you know, different kinds of technologies and things that we can use. But ultimately, we only use those technologies to simplify. To, we, we are constantly looking for the simplest solution that works the best. Yeah. And even in long distance, like, for example, I've seen I was watching some of the videos of some of your adventures and whatnot. You know, we have we have thicker sandals and thinner sandals. We have lightweight sandals. We have long, you know, in other words, think of it like surfboards. There's all kinds of different things that you might doing from paddle boarding to trick ride waving or big wave riding. And sandals for us are like that. And so this year we actually won Luna Sandals won best overall for American Made Outdoor Gear Award. Wow. So we're very proud. Yeah, we're very proud of what we do and we make really great sandals and they're part of a very old tradition and that started in my mind 10 years ago this year in March when I went down and I ran the Copper Can what was known as the Copper Canyon Ultra Marathon yeah. in my first pair of sandals that I had made and I, one year before that Manuel Luna had made me my first pair which you can read about in the book Born to Run. So it predates most wow. people's reading of the book Born to Run by yeah. quite a couple of years. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good to get that timeline actually. Um, so what was it like? I mean, what are the Tarumara like? What are the what what's running in the Copper Canyon? I mean, we're all, you know, tied up in that whole beautiful story. Um, what's it like? Well, it's you know, there's a lot of epic photos you can go and see. They're they're such a beautiful people and they um uh, in other words, they look quite picturesque in the terrain. They, they fit their space really well. I mean, they're quite colorful people. They wear blousey, uh, the men and the women wear blousey stuff that's quite colorful so you can really see them from far away and sort of identify who's coming or what's going on. Um, they really move so well in an environment that is extraordinarily treacherous. I mean, uh, you know, up and down and rivers and uh, all the rest, but yeah. ultimately every time, and they're, they're just a very um, simple-hearted, uh, warm-hearted people, kind of shy, but who, when they open up to you, and keep in mind, I've been going down there for 11 years now, so little by little, I mean, actually, the relationship is built, relationships are building quite organically, um, 
a, a kind of cross-cultural exchange is happening where both peoples are um, accepting each other with respect and um, validation of what you know um, they can what they you know we're learning as much I think we're learning much more from them in yeah. some way Absolutely. than they are from us although there is it, there's a deep um, one of my great uh, uh, hopes is to develop a deep enough relationship to know what it is that, what useful thing is there some useful thing that I can do and one of the without being too, you know, without like imposing yeah. my ideas. Mm -hmm. And it turns out we created something called the Manuel Luna Education Fund, which ends up being a little, it's no big deal. It's just people are donating like $5 here and there when they're checking out from the Luna Sandals website. Mm -hmm. But that builds up to, you know, thousands of dollars, which for scholarships for young people who are just trying to, you know, it's just simple things like they need a school uniform or they need a book or they... And so we're trying to make that sort of give back in that way, and that's been a, that's been sort of this giant circle, you know, of a relationship between Manuel well, Luna and me starting 10, 11 years ago. It's bear, it's born fruit, yep. and it feels good. It didn't. It wasn't like we tried to speed it up, and it's it's just feeling very organic. So we'll be down there again. I go every year, wow. and this year Manuel Luna came back to. We got him. He wanted to come. I couldn't believe it. He wanted, I made him a pair of sandals. He wanted me to make him a pair of sandals. I was like, okay, man, you don't need a new, you don't need a pair. But he wanted a pair because it had his name on it. So we got him a pair. He ran the race in a new pair of sandals that I made him the day before, yeah. smiling yeah. and loving it. And then I thought, okay, we're going to have the Born to Run race in um, uh, Central California in May. And I, was, I just thought, did you ever want to come back to the States? And he said, yes. And I got Ceci, this translator. And it was like, oh, my God, he really does. And so I said, Ceci, can you make this happen? And this lady who was a, had worked for the municipality there, she friggin' pulled it off. So like three months later, he's in California with us dancing and making sandals because he wanted to make some money for a solar panel. He ended up making over 800 bucks in a day. Wow. He gave me a big, big kiss. It was amazing. <laughs> And that, I mean, that's fantastic that you'll be able to give back, you know, like it's hard not to come in as the, you know, the rich Americans or whatever and destroy, you know, the danger is there. When when, when a book like Born to Run comes out that, that brings worldwide fame to a, a very reclusive people, the dangers must have been there, that, that, that things could go wrong and, you know, it could turn to custard. Yeah, there's always, you know, ultimately – it, it ultimately that's always uh, a, risk. Yeah. A, a risk when you interact with peoples. Ultimately, everyone's going to be essentially uh, the judge of themselves by examining their own hearts and moving forward with courage. I mean, you know, it, there's so many angles on how it could be taken wrong, or and maybe even it is in some ways. You know, you know, you know. In some sense, you almost feel, oh, now they're connected to us in some way. But there's no escaping that. It's it's more about what you can do from the highest self you can attain in your own life and interacting with people from that space, it's going to be the best hope for us all in a sense. And when you come from a humble place where you're actually really with a good heart and you're wanting to help and you really want to learn from somebody, you know, you just don't come with that, well, we're going to help you conquering sort of mentality. I think it's a complete different 
ball game, eh? and I think it's a, a wonderful exchange. Um, and when, when I, uh, a couple of years ago, was trying to get that TV series, Run the Planet, off the ground, we hoped that we would be able to go to the Taramara people, and but it didn't happen. We made a, uh, a TV pilot with an Aboriginal story. Um, so the whole oh. premise was a friend of mine who was um, – uh, crewing for me on a race I did in the Himalayas, La Ultra, which was a 222k race at altitude. And he said to me, oh, you couldn't never turn me into an ultra runner. And I said, oh, yes, I could. <laughs> and so the bet was on. And we came up with this concept for television where we researched all these stories of indigenous people who had, you know, proven legends where they'd run hundreds of kilometres. Uh, in all these different cultures around the world. Uh, and we ended up doing the TV pilot for this on a story with the Aboriginal people, um, a man who ran 250 kilometres odd to save a friend who was dying. Um, and it was an incredible adventure. And he's, he's turned into a wonderful ultramarathon runner, the, the, the friend. <laughs> where, where, where was, where, was this in New Zealand or Australia? So this was it. We actually did it in Australia. So with the Aboriginal people in the centre of Australia, near uh, Lake, uh, so, so Alice Springs, um, that, that original story. And then we hoped that we could sell it to Discovery, but we, we never got that far, unfortunately. We ran out of money and ran, ran out of um, uh, you know, the ability to do it because it costs a lot of money to, to make these things happen. But somebody will pick up the... The, the pieces. Well, day. I think that's that sounds like it would it sounds like a fabulous pilot. I I, I would. I is it a yeah. viewable online? Yes, it somewhere? is. Yeah, it's on my YouTube channel actually. I'll I'll put the link and uh, um, send it through to yeah, you. Yeah, please and... do. That sounds really <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, I think that's a great idea. I mean, ultimately, um, uh, tying um, stories in with people who and other cultures where. Running is part of them all. Let's yep. just face it. If it's if it's not them themselves, it's their gods or the immortals or whomever. But ultimately, it's a human skill set that certainly has provided us with a lot of epics and a lot of adventures all through time. And what's awesome about it for me is recognizing that feeling by direct experience and realizing that it's available to every able-bodied and person and also to them who aren't able-bodied to see and witness through others too, yeah, and so, yeah. but that's that's what we do. We we run. That's one of the things we do so well. And my favorite thing is I'm I'm no longer fascinated by pushing really the limits of how far I can run anymore yeah. or anything like that. These days, for me, it's really about um, back to the surfing concept and culture that I'm from. Surfing and skateboarding had nothing to do with counting anything. Um, it was all about shared experience and ultimately awesome experience, you know, flow states. Oh. And uh, I'm really tapping back into like early, like 60s even, surf films where the goal where these surfers were traveling all over the world to look for the endless wave, yeah. some kind of ride that you would just ride and ride and ride. And... Um, Getting into that zone, and I know you've been there on certainly on any of your longer runs. I mean, when when you're not suffering, or when you can get into the place, that place that hopefully is the longest part of your journey, is um, really quite a joyful place to be. And in that flow state, hey, yeah. Occasionally you get there. Unfortunately, I've I've, I've never cracked the code on staying there. <laughs> oh. Well, that would be a good code to crack. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I remember. Um, 
Chris McDougall telling the story about you and he was crewing for you, I think it was Leadville or somewhere, and he and he thought he was only going to be with you the last 15 miles or something, and he thought, oh, he's probably not even going to get there and he'll be slow if he is and it'll be sweet. And then you came along laughing and singing and making it a chat fest or something. And he said that was, uh, you know, everyone else was suffering, but you turned it into a chat fest. How the hell do you change that mentality? That, because, you know, I, I know me in an 80 mile and a 100 mile race. I'm a grumpy old bag by then. <laughs> I'm miserable. You know, how do you do it? How do you turn it into a party? Yeah, well, I, you know, keep in mind, you know, um, there's good and bad days for everybody. So, yeah, you know, um, there's that element of it. I like to say when I was doing the 100 milers, I would like to say doing a 100 mile race would be like living an entire lifetime in, in 100 miles. So you start out at zero, you're born. And then my joke would be, you better feel damn good at 50 if you want to make it to 100. <laughs> and uh, then, you know, it would be um, just ultimately when you got to 100, it was okay to end. It, you were fine. You had achieved something. And um, ultimately, uh, I really like those 100 milers for really teaching me that, um, you know, you have to go through some, there's ups and downs. But for me, I was doing it not, I mean, I needed to finish in times that were required. And I often did quite well, better than I expected. But in the end, it was really, could I do it in a way where I really could feel good about it? And that ultimately is the message um, in the sense of, I think you got to have those big adventures that push your boundaries and go over the edge sometimes even. Yeah. But ultimately, the strategy, just like with eating or anything else, is finding some middle path that allows you to um, be more satisfied with and healthy and feel good about living. And that's a, quite an achievement. And that's kind of what, that's the message I'm preaching these days, I think, if, yeah. I, if anybody's <laughs> yeah, I think you and I are probably on the same stage of our progression then because, yeah, I've sort of uh, reached the stage where I don't really feel like doing the super, super long stuff. It's been 23-something years of, of pushing the absolute boundaries. Uh, and it, there comes a time where you're going, hang on, am I, am I still enjoying this? Is there a reason for this? Do I need to be proving anything anymore or is this just for my ego? You know, so those sort of questions come up and then it's like, well, what else is there that, you know, because for me now, um, I mean, this year, for, for example, I've been having some a, a, a major health issue uh, that I've been dealing with. I just wow. had an operation day before yesterday. And whoa, I, yeah, well, it's been a hell of a journey, but I can't run right now. And, mm-hmm. It's coming to terms with being in that sort of state, you know, and then and, and realizing that's part of the human condition too. Um, totally. And yes, it's great to push your limits at 100 miles or 100k or whatever is your, you know, big holy grail. But it's not the only thing, is it? It's it's for me, yeah. It's yeah, getting back to surf and getting out into nature, getting enjoying, stopping and smelling the roses instead of competing all the time. Would you agree? Uh, well, you know, that's where I'm going. You know, that's yeah. where my philosophy is. I'm going to try to live here in Santa Barbara 50 more years or die trying. <laughs> the odd idea there is it's now really about the pacing so that you can finish feeling well, feeling good, being um, satisfied to make it to the 100-mile mark, 100-year mark, whatever. So, um, but of course, um, uh, you know, part of the human condition, just as you mentioned, is going to be dealing with 
the various setbacks that we have, ultimate, the ultimate one being that we're not going to be able to run anymore at all. So um, it is part of our journey, too. So I think all of these um, running just becomes a great analog, analogy, storytelling tool to remind us of, you know, it's, it's part of our journey and how we approach it is telling us a little bit about ourselves at that time in our lives and whatever it is that we're facing. So running ultimately is very philosophical, too. I mean, oh, it's yeah. not just your body, but it's telling us a lot about our mind. It's all about that for me, you know. Like an 80 90 percent of it is what the journey that you go on when you when you push. And I absolutely love that analogy. And I'm going to use that. I'm sorry, I'm going to steal that off you from the the you know you're at zero mile zero. You're you're being born, and and mile fifty, you better be doing okay because you've got to get to a hundred. And that's a really that it is. And in, in ultra marathon running is so intense and this is one of the things where people like you know that don't get running often ask you why the hell would you do it when there's no money involved there's no glory there's no big crowds there's no uh it's painful it's arduous it's you know all of these things why do you do it but it's really the journey and the intensity of the experience eh? and the stripping back to nature you 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 cannot hide who you are as a character Unless you turn it into like a chat fest. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, that it really does, um, the way you're describing that are, you know, so many, um, um, let's say, traditions in the past also have these uh, epics, uh, you know, things that you push yourself through that you can learn so much through the process of it that you end up, and I'm, I'm, I already know from just watching some other videos and um, doing some homework on you that, you know, you've applied those same skill sets to other parts of your life, which ultimately they are going to carry over, right? And yeah. so you're learning those um, things that you need, those same characteristics that you're ultimately going to need if you try to run your own business, um, you know, the ups and downs, uh, you know, some from, from one thing that dies, another thing is born, and on and on and on it goes. So, yeah, it sounds like you're totally in it. Yeah, 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 and, and, and you're so right. The, what I love teaching now is all about the mindset and, and applying the same principles to overcome whatever challenge comes at you because life is going to chuck us some curveballs, you know. Um, been having too many of those curveballs lately. <laughs> but let's get on there. You're coming over to New Zealand for RunFest. What are you going to be doing when you're over here? Well, I have a couple natural running workshops that I'm going to be doing, and then ultimately it's going to sum up with a talk that I'm going to give that will uh, capture some of the themes, maybe deepen some of the themes about what it is about running that I've learned now over the course of the last 10 years. For me, it's really just you know the sandal and the barefoot, being very focused on that and part of that. It goes my entire life, but it was, uh, as you heard from the beginning here, but it, it really became um, when I when it when I realized that for me my problem when I really wanted to get into running again was that the technology that I was trying to use was actually hindering me. In other words, if so for some of us out there who are listening, maybe you, you did grow up um, kind of like your dad, you know, with a fully functioning feet. Well, yeah. let me tell you something: if you try to put some narrow padded over supportive shoe on your dad and made him made him go run let me tell you something he'd be hurting yeah he'd yeah. be hurting <laughs> and that's what was happening to me but there was no um 
ultimately there was no uh, product or thing or, or at that time, right? It, um, but then I, I had these memories from the skateboarding, and then I had an aunt who had a track record in high school, barefooted, and then I started doing research and realized, you know, everybody in California, whole cross-country teams, and Herb Elliott over in Australia was winning races, going to the Olympics with his uh, Percy Carudi or whatever, doing a lot of barefoot training, and it just dawned on me, yeah, if you, you know, uh, some of the listeners out there will probably go, oh, yeah, you know, maybe maybe I, this is a good something I should explore. Um, but that was what was really happening for me. And so then I really got into exploring, you know, barefooting and then also the traditions of indigenous cultures. Is Since they already have a strong and functional foot in many cases, what did they use as footwear? And that's where the sandal became Everywhere, everywhere you find that thing. Even the Maori have uh, yeah. one that they make to go, go around on the reefs in coral. Yeah, it is, it is a, it's a fascinating thing. And I think, you know, where I think the problems come in, like, you know, I see it in coaching, is when people try to transition too quickly from where they've been in a padded oh, yeah. shoe their whole life and, you know, they've, they've run in a, in a really padded shoe and then they go suddenly barefoot. And then they try and run the same mileage, and that's not going to work, is it? No, I mean that's you know that's a recipe for disaster. And you know, ultimately, uh, like anything, I mean, our great benefit of being alive, of being human being, is this self exploration and self experimentation that we have access to. Yeah. But it also takes some common sense, right? You know, this this is going to not going to be a cure all. This is not a miracle thing. I mean, you know, if yeah, uh, and exactly like your analogy, if somebody, it, it'd be the other thing I used to tell when I do coaching, it's like, it's like you'd been wearing a back brace all your life and then you suddenly went to a gym where they don't wear those and they, you say, oh really? And then, and then you went and tried to do your very same workout or whatever you were doing. I mean, it's just, it's just absurd, <laughs> but it is worth, if you have the time and desire, it certainly is a great self-experimental joy fest if you can figure out how to you know, extend your boundaries and your abilities in your own two feet. I mean, how confidence building that is when you realize, hey, man, if I got to get out of here, I'm out of here. I don't need to wait for my shoe to arrive. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and there's so many um, other parts to being a barefoot or going around barefoot. There's so much more balanced things. Like I've uh, been dealing with um, a mum who had an aneurysm uh, a year and a half ago. And she lost all balance and all coordination. So I've had to teach her to, from, you know, like, you know, a year and a half of hard, hard physio and hard, hard work uh, to walk again. And now she can walk, but she can only walk in a shoe with a heel because uh, mm. she's lost the ability to move her ankle uh, because she was in bed for so wow. long. Um and, and dealing with that hot, like the, the brain connection, so the cerebellum, how all those little muscles in our feet, all that proprioception, it, we take for granted. And it, it, when you lose the ability to walk, and you have to learn as a 75-year-old to walk again, uh, how difficult that is, all those connections. And so we can help ourselves just day by day going for a little 10-minute walks or doing some barefoot balance exercises or some yoga exercises or... Going for a walk on the beach in the soft sand. Eh? It's all about those little incremental changes that you can make. It's not about going out and running 100 miles barefoot or in a pair of sandals. Right, right. I totally agree. And then it's it's just like, that's just like health. Uh, health. You know, it's like exploring different terrain and not pushing too far. But yeah, 
keeping those feet alive, keeping the um, your proprioception awareness and your balance awareness and your get, keeping your mobility and all of that in your ankles and your feet, it's going to be a great idea for everyone um, to, to some degree in their, you know, really in their daily life. I mean, my grandmother was always out in the garden gardening barefooted and, you yeah. know, she was healthy and balanced her whole life. So I think there's something to it. Yeah, and I think there's actually something to the whole uh, massage stuff, you know, like the the foot massage, um, what do you call it, uh, foot reflexology and all that sort of jazz. That You're probably getting a whole lot more stimulation when you're doing that barefoot. I want to just switch tacks a little bit. Um, you've got a new venture. What's the solo wheel thing? What's this all about? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's almost like, uh, I mean, I'm always playing, you know, Keep in mind, um, you know, my skateboard roots, I'm going to keep draw, coming back to that because yeah. it was such an important part of my life being at that uh, transition when we started really having skateboards that could perform amazing stuff in the early 70s. And we, it really opened up our horizons. And we, as young people, knew that this was our frontier. Yep. And we were going to go somewhere that the parents couldn't tell us anything about it. They didn't know. Um, you know, I still have scars from those days though. I mean, I have one situation is in like 1973 or four. My mom is behind me in her Volkswagen with her lights on shining the path ahead of, for me and my friends as we go downhill in Laguna beach and ultimately crash all of us. I still have scars on the side of my body from that. And then when we were done with that, we, my mom drove up into a, uh, sort of like a 7-Eleven type thing, bought a bottle of hydrogen peroxide and cotton balls. So, you know, <laughs> I love it. I'm, I, I'm definitely raw here. Yeah. <laughs> that goes back a long way. Um, so the solo wheel really captures this um, long enduring fascination with wheels and new technologies ultimately, and old ones too. So I ride skateboards, I like riding antique bicycles, I have some of those, I, I pull rickshaws. and in 2012, on an island off the coast of Istanbul, I was there for an ultra marathon back then. I saw a guy go by that I thought was the best running form I'd ever seen in my life, and uh, just as smooth as silk. And I stood up, and the guy was on some kind of one-wheeled contraption that just <laughs> blew my mind. So I chased him down, and uh, it turned out he was on this thing called the solo wheel. It was a very early version of one of these things, and. Um, he had um, been so in love with it he, um, that he had become the distributor in Turkey and in Israel. So we became fast friends, and I started riding that thing. And ultimately, I spent quite a bit of time riding through the streets. I mean, how absurd. Riding through the streets of Istanbul on a one-wheeled electric vehicle that the inventor was from Washington, where I had come from. So it was like a, it was like an epic, uh, like, whoa, this is so the, the synergy. And anyway... When I got home, I uh, looked up this guy and I started uh, applying. I really saw it as, I mean, almost nobody else. It's still rather obscure, but I found that that riding position and those speeds, all at human speeds and in primal human positions, end up being really great ways to move around in urban environments. Wow. So okay. when you need to get around and you need to go up hills and you need to kind of do it efficiently and quickly, and at the same time, you need to be in your body and you need to be using your core and you need to be breathing and seeing where you're going and, and safe. 
I really feel that um, I've been able to pioneer once again something that's still rather obscure and new, but really by going by feel, which is what I'm famous for, yeah. I'm feeling a way forward for some epic new sports and, of course, new commuting tools and things. And I'm also pushing on how to human empower these devices. And just to let you know, I had the world record for distance on a longboard in 24, or skateboard in 24 hours, wow. 200, 242 miles in 24 hours. Oh. And now um, I think 30 people or more have done that and, and five or six have gone over 300 miles now. So I was into that world. But now I'm really interested, these little machines that I'm talking about, the solo wheel, has a regenerative braking ability. So I'm finding out techniques how to push it and pump it in different ways to get some human power into it. It's, it's kind of my quest right now, the holy grail. So it's not just the lazy, you know, because when you watch these guys on these solo wheels and, you know, people would have seen, seen them in their towns and stuff and you go, well, that's super lazy, just cruising along. You're not even, they seem to be not, not doing very much. I haven't actually been on one. I don't think I'd have the coordination. I'd probably ass off. <laughs> um, but you're trying to make it so you are using the core. You are sort of going to be able to control it with your own body and get quickly from A to B. So fantastic in cities and commuting and... Um, getting what getting out of the cars and all that sort of good stuff. Oh, absolutely! But I no, I'm really pursuing the sport of it. If you saw how I ride a wheel, you'd see that I'm basically surfing all over the city, skiing oh, and rollerblading. I'm too, I'm using it's basically like become the everything wheel. And any of the flow sports skill sets that you have, and this is what I've learned in training people, you can. Um, integrate them into the wheel. Now, some of the people may be attracted to this technology at first are, you know, maybe the geeks and the nerds and the guys that were maybe perfectly, you know, they weren't coming from the background that I have. So I'm able to sort of find its cultural context and find a way to adapt it into, a, you know, a something that's part of, you know, important in human movement. Now, one, there's the there's two wheeled versions are, that are called hoverboard. These are not what I'm talking about. The, the machine that I'm talking about is a rather powerful piece of equipment. It's got a 2,000 watt motor and about three hours of battery charge and uh, incredible hill climbing ability. Wow. And um, I'm really pushing the envelope of what to do with that thing. But I also, yeah, I also do push it like a skateboard and I... I think that ultimately it's a kind of a slalom type wiggle yep. that'll ultimately um, make it so that you'll probably, I, and I'm going to be the first, I'll certainly shoot to be one of the first to basically get on that thing in power, you know, as long as you want. How, how far do you want to go? That's maybe, my goal. Maybe that's my next way to get through the 100 miler again. <laughs> I don't think I'll be able to run one for a while. <laughs> It so, wouldn't be mundane. Your core would get a workout. I'll guarantee you that. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, if we can get people out of cars too, I think anything that you know gets us back onto wheels or our own human power and whatever, um, or very minimal motor, that's just anything that that's going to do that is good. So where can people yeah. buy these? Can they? Have you got? You know, are you selling them yet? Well, yeah, they're sold. Um, they, you know, I opened a shop when I was still in Seattle. I opened a Solo Wheel Seattle, and we sold quite a few. But we've really never been able to meet the demand, even for wow. the small. Yeah. It, there's not thousands and thousands of them. There's all kinds of other knockoff versions. And I've been 
very loyal to this one brand because of the uh, inventor and the patents and things like that. And uh, I really am. Cons I want to make sure that these are safe and and uh, mission critical and all of that. But ultimately, what I want to point out is as a I, I think this is a direction for human machines for transporting. It really makes sense to be standing up when you're moving. Yeah. It really makes sense to be having to balance yourself. It really puts you into a very good state of mind to be in that flow state. And, under, and it's requiring your attention and mindfulness. So think of the solo wheel more like a surfboard. A surfboard can do nothing interesting if you throw it into a wave. It's the magic of the human and their skills that actually bring the magic to the tool. And the wheel is very much like that. And ultimately, trying to figure out how to make it cool or interesting or fun or affordable, none of which it is right now, yeah. will it's kind of a goal of mine, although I'm just a, I don't own the company. Um, I have a retail shop and I'll open another one here and I'm a proponent of its use. Yep. And, uh, and But I... At this point, yeah, I mean, the people at RunFest are asking, please bring some wheels, and I don't know, even know if I'm going to be able to do that, although I would love to because there's a lot of ways to integrate them into running coaching too. Yeah. For example, imagine how awesome it is if you have a tether. I've been doing uh, different tests. You have a tether on your runner, yeah. and they're running, and you can control. You can make them right there running up a hill, and you're right there focused. You can see their stride. You can hear their breathing. You can talk to them. You can film them. And then flip it around, you can pull your runner and get them to be relaxed at a certain pace that you want. And all the meantime, you can do your job without having to, you know, to some of these himself. coaches. Yeah. I brought it to Romanov, who was the pose coach there. He's the uh, Russian yeah. uh, yep. athlete coach. He was in love with this thing. They bought two for their, I, I don't know if he used them. He learned how to ride it right away. And he's like, this is my theory, you know. <laughs> it was so great. Um, so I think ultimately there will be applications like that. That might be one interesting for you, for example. Yeah. But ultimately, we got to figure out how to get some wheels there to New Zealand. Maybe I'll bring some this time. We'll see what happens. That'd be fab. I'm, I'm thinking, uh, you know, because I've been immersed in the world of people with disabilities. Um, uh, for certain, you know, like uh, obviously you'd have to have a certain amount of control over your, your oh, stomach yeah. and all that yeah. sort of jazz. But you know, maybe there's a variation where you're in a maybe a half body. I don't know. I'm just throwing ideas out there. Well, I, well, yeah. <laughs> I think ultimately it takes pretty pretty high skill functioning people. But there, then there's other situations where people are still high functioning, yep. but for example, their lung capacity has been greatly reduced. Yep. So they can't really, you know, run. Even though they're physically capable, um, uh, um, they just can't get enough oxygen to their body. This is a, could be right a tool now. for them. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Well, there you have it. You yeah. have a, you yeah. can, you know, or, or go on runs with other people where you can, maybe you can't do the whole thing, but you run some part of it and then you ride some part or you switch back and forth or I don't know. There's so many other things that we can play around with. But ultimately, just like you said, anytime, every time we need to applaud when we can get people out of automobiles, particularly when they're not necessary, you know, and downtown urban environments, certainly not necessary. And ultimately, look, my wheel takes 10 cents of electricity to go for three hours. Wow. You know, these are super efficient equipment that ultimately also are generators. So if you can uh, push it or roll down a hill, you're charging the machine. And that, you know, that opens up a lot of doors.
Oh, it's fascinating. I mean, your life is just fascinating, really. <laughs> you're you're um, obviously a really inventive character, super intelligent and really uh, a talented athlete as well. And you've managed to combine them into a lifestyle and a way of living. How how have you managed? Because you've managed to make, I mean, it's a dream of so many athletes out there or people like ourselves to make a living out of what they love. How have you managed to, to, to do that and step outside the rat race, so to speak? Well, you know, a lifetime of not being able to be anything other than myself <laughs> is the first step. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, this is the best version of the self myself that I can, uh, I can dream of. It's not easy. Um, you know, I don't necessarily, everybody's journey is going to be unique to themselves. I am greatly inspired by um, a very uh, wise uh, uh, African-American uh, philosopher, thinker, mystic, who was Martin Luther King's mentor. Yep. And he said, his name was Howard Thurman. He, had, he has a quote that I really find fascinating. He says the following, he says, don't ask what the world needs. Instead, ask what makes you come alive and do it. Because what the world needs are people who have come alive. And so I really love this attitude of ultimately people finding in themselves what is it that is sparking them to attention, giving them some insight that is unique to their experience, giving them some audience or a uh, uh, place where they can apply themselves in a way that no other person in the universe can do, and allowing them to uh, find that path and do it. Um, ultimately, it takes a lot of courage because you know there's a lot of setbacks for everyone in anything you do. So as good as my life might seem, I mean, it is definitely closer to my ideal than in any other time in my life. Yeah. And I definitely like the direction it's heading. And I am mostly proud of many of the accomplishments I've been able to do. But I feel still so much more that I could do and more that I would like to do, not in a sort of a um, dr uh, outside of my control driven way, but just like I want to do better. I want to improve my, whatever it is, both for myself and then ultimately my world and the people around me and, and, and so forth. And so, yeah, I'm just going to keep practicing these ideas. They definitely are panning out better. Um, uh, uh, you know, ha it turns out with a company like Luna Sandals, you end up working with a lot of great people and it ends up, you start realizing how much of a team effort it really is and um, so much of the uh, intent that you have in what you uh, put into things ends up really having uh, an effect. And, uh, yeah, so I, I am happy. I, I definitely think I want to see more people making these efforts. But, you know, there's setbacks and then there's, there's up, you know, you know it. You uh, understand. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I've always been unemployable is what I say. I'm totally unemployable. I, I, I've always wanted and needed to be my own boss and the own uh, captain of my own ship, for better or worse crashing and burning and failing and all of the rest of it that's gone along with that. Um, and I'm a big proponent of, of entrepreneurship and, and finding a way to express your passion in life. And it you know might not lead to millions of dollars in the bank, but if you can impact the world 
uh, have a world-centric view where you're actually impacting positively some part of the world, whatever part that you decide to work on, and doing something that you're really, really passionate about, and that comes back to your, was it Harvey Thurman or Howard? Howard Thurman? Howard Thurman, Howard yeah. Th- yeah. If you can, if you find that passion in your why, then you're going to, you're going to have much bigger chance of succeeding because you've just got that energy and that that uh, passion and drive and determination that you're never going to have when you're sitting doing something for someone else that you don't believe in. Um, yeah, I think I, I think once you find that once you find that passion, you've actually succeeded. You know, in other words, once you find that place, once you find this attitude, once you take on this attitude, in a sense, I mean, you've already that's you're on the right path and then you just, you know, get better at being on the path. Yeah. You find your focus and you know, it's up and down and it's round and round and you end up in all sorts of funny places. Um, for sure. You know, my journey certainly been to, you know, successes and failures and around and around about, but I think we're also living in a day and age where we, the type of people that we are, uh, we're super lucky because we've got this opportunity with the internet, with technology, with, social media being able to get our messages out there we we didn't have that up 50 years ago or 20 years ago you know totally yeah absolutely i mean the internet has been um an incredibly valuable tool for you you know there's all the negatives and whatnot but connectivity and sharing are great human skills we uh storytelling is extraordinarily important I have always, I dreamed of, um, even as a child, even as a, even as a, in kindergarten, and even maybe before, of being able to have access to any book and any idea, and sort of this, um, you know, I, I kind of had a very optimistic sort of um, outlook as a child in the 1960s in the United States, with technology was somehow, and computers were going to, and my little, my little mind just dreamed up. I, I was always interested in reading things and learning things and boy has the internet been an extraordinarily valuable tool for that and even to this day I do tremendous amounts of research I feel like I'm almost like time traveling reading old newspapers and studying about things and on and on it goes so uh, this is a great uh, we live in a great time to be able to share and find our own communities and and enhance other communities and share. So yeah, I love it. Uh, me too, and I, I'm super excited. I think we've got to, you know, we've got to be optimistic about the future. I think there's a lot of solutions coming to some big problems. Of course, we're facing some big issues and and, and things, but uh, it's an exciting time to live, and it's an it's a fantastic uh, freedom to be able to, you know, I, I just don't have enough hours in the day to study and learn everything I want to. You know, I, I want to dive into a billion areas and I've got it. My trouble is keeping a focus, you know, and, and narrowing it down and staying because I'm just all over the show. I want to know about this and I want to learn that. And I think the older, you know, because we're, you know, not far apart in age. I think you, we, I, I don't know about you, but I'm getting to the stage where I think, oh, I'm running out of time. I've got to hurry up and learn everything before, you know, like my hundred years, which I'm hoping for are through, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I've I've gotten away from, you know, I've got, well, it gets too complicated here, but the, the, I've got um, an attitude about time. I actually have this funny blog that I created called Mondo Monkey. It's about a time-traveling chimpanzee. Ah. So I take on the attitude of that time-traveling chimpanzee, which basically comes down to the conclusion that we are living in some kind of eternal now. And... Uh, Getting really good at doing the now is all you need to do because 
time itself is kind of different than we expect. Um, that might give people, that gives me maybe a little bit of patience in thinking, oh, okay, I'll just get really good at this now and we'll see where it goes from Actually, here. Actually, that. that was a, that was a good message for me today, I think. I needed to hear <laughs> that because I keep, yeah, yeah, you keep wanting to go faster and do more and be more instead of being in the now. And I think that's a, a, a really valuable lesson. Hey, look, I won't take up any more of your time. Barefoot Ted, you've been absolute inspirational. You're an absolute amazing character. Very, very eccentric, very crazy, very cool. We're so lucky that we've got you coming to New Zealand to the RunFest. Um, and I encourage everybody uh, listening to this, uh, get your tickets for RunFest quickly. Uh, the team down there in Wellington do a wonderful job. And getting Barefoot Ted over is, a, is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, where can people find you on the net? Where can people uh, you know, make contact with you, buy your stuff? All of that sort of good yeah, stuff. Well, you know, Facebook, you know, Barefoot Ted, there I am, ding dong ding. Um, <laughs> Luna Sandals is certainly uh, the company I'm most proud of. Luna, um, actually, to folks in New Zealand right now, we finagled a way uh, to get free shipping down there. So, you know, if you ever wanted to try a pair of Luna Sandals, now's a good time. Oh, fantastic. Um, I will talk to you about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so those are the two main ways, you know, and then come to Santa Barbara. I hope to have a. Uh, something called Barefoot Ted's Adventures. That's what my blog is. It was back in the day. And I kind of hope to have, like, you know, when people show up here and want a little bit of an active vacation, go and show them, you know, get them to barefoot around a little bit and try some, you know, solo wheel and some other contraptions. I've got a bunch of old and interesting things over here at my place. So I look forward to seeing people from New Zealand to come to Santa Barbara. Oh, I'm coming to your place soon. I'm going to try it, that wheel <laughs> thing. Hey, look, Barefoot Ted, get back to your dinner. Thanks very much for your time today. You're an absolute legend. Thank you so much for, for everything. I appreciate it. Take this opportunity to tell you about my new e-course, The Path of an Athlete, that I just launched recently. This is all about how to develop mental strength, resilience, and tenacity learning how to overcome the barriers to reaching your full potential and stop those limiting beliefs that have held you back. Whether it be in your personal life, your career or in your sporting goals, you can control the outcome of your life. For more information, please go to www.lisatamati.co.nz forward slash ecourse. That's it for this episode of Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tamati. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and share all this goodness with your networks so we can impact more lives with positive insights and inspiring conversations. And check us out online at www.lisatamati.co.nz. That's it for this episode of Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tamati. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and share all this goodness with your networks so we can impact more lives with positive insights and inspiring conversations. And check us out online at www.lisatamati.co.nz.